Hebrews 12, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Have you been watching any of the broadcasts of the Olympics? You can probably tell since it's the sixth week I've been using illustrations. I love the Olympics. I love to watch all the different events and rejoice with those who are winning. And my heart breaks for those who experience sorrow and disappointment or injury along the way. I want us to talk a little bit before we finish this series about what it means to recover from injuries. Carlos Lopez was a middle distance runner from Portugal. He was an accomplished runner and qualified for the 1976 Olympics. He was running in the middle distance races, so the, his specialty in that Olympics was the 10,000 meter race, or the 10K as you sometimes hear them called, for us who do miles just over six miles. He had prepared well. He led almost the entire race. He could see gold coming as the finish line was not far away. And then another runner broke from the pack and passed him and right at the finish line edged him out and his dream of gold turned to silver like that. Carlos sort of faded from the limelight until eight year, years later, 1984, the Olympics were going to be in Los Angeles. You may remember quite a big buildup. Carlos Lopez was part of that because he was making a comeback, but not in the six mile or the 10K race. He had qualified in the marathon. Pretty remarkable. By then, he was 37 years old. Most of the marathon runners in their 20s, could he really compete at that age with these people in this race? Then, to complicate everything, 15 days before he was to run in that race, he was out on one of his final training runs, and he was struck by a car, knocked him off his feet, hit him with such violent force that his body went through the windshield. Almost unbelievably, no broken bones. And within a couple of days, Carlos announced that he was going to Los Angeles. He was still going to run the marathon. The men and women's marathon of this year's Olympics have been broadcast this week. If you saw them, you know what happens. They run as a pack for quite a long while, sometimes 20 plus miles. That's what happened that year in 1984. Carlos just ran with the pack. And then in the last three miles or the last five kilometers, Carlos turned up the heat, began to pick up his speed, began to break away from the pack and finish those last 5K or three miles in 14 minutes and 33 seconds. That's less than a five-minute mile after he'd run 20-plus miles. And, of course, he scorched the competition and he won the gold. His dream of winning a gold medal in the Olympics came true I think it's safe to say Carlos recovered from his injuries pretty well. I want us to think about this idea of recovering 
from injuries or woundedness as part of our spiritual training or part of our spiritual life. We have physical injuries during a lifetime, but we also have different kinds of injuries. One of the all-time greatest athletes ever competed in the 1912 Olympics. He was from close to here. He was from Yale, Oklahoma. Jim Thorpe was a native Oklahoman. He was part of the Sac and Fox tribe. He was an astounding athlete. He went to the 1912 Olympics to participate in the pentathlon, so five events to win one medal, and the decathlon, ten other events. So he was accomplished in everything from swimming to sprinting to pole vault to high jump, shooting. He was an amazing person, an amazing athlete. He won both of those events, the pentathlon and the decathlon, and by huge margins, it wasn't even close. He dominated all the other athletes so much so that when the king of Sweden, who was giving out the medals, awarded Thorpe his medals, he said to him, you are the greatest athlete in history, and surely he was one of the greatest of all time. But then the following year, tragedy struck it came to the attention of the international olympic committee that one summer jim thorpe had played minor league baseball and made a few dollars they determined back in the day when only amateurs could compete that that made him a professional even though baseball was not what he had competed in in the olympics they decided that made him a professional and they stripped him of all of his medals Jim Thorpe went to his death, a dishonored Olympic athlete. Bill Havens was another Olympian or would-be Olympian. He had trained back in the early 1920s. Canoe racing had become part of the Olympics. He was getting ready to go with a team of Americans in the four-man canoe race, 1924, to Paris to compete. They did all of their training, and then just a couple of weeks before they were to go, Bill Havens began to have second thoughts. His wife was pregnant. He thought she might deliver while he was gone. He wanted to be here. He began to talk to her. She said, no, you should go. He just couldn't leave. He told his teammates, he apologized and said, I can't go, and he stayed home to be near his wife. A week before she delivered, he got a cable that said, we won the gold. His team had won the gold medal. His wife had not delivered. I can only imagine the second guessing, the frustration perhaps of him dealing with, should he have gone, did he make the right decision and did he miss out on this opportunity for no good reason? There are so many kinds of injuries that we bear throughout a lifetime. Physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological. So many ways that we can be wounded or injured. And we carry within us that burden. Some of us still struggling with wounds. Others of us knowing that we're beyond it. And yet feeling the scar tissue even now.
recent weeks come to national and international attention, the kind of pressure we have put on young athletes, often neglecting their own welfare. Coaches and others have forced them, if you will, to compete. And not only that, but oftentimes the adults who were supposed to be caring were not only not caring, but were covering up abuse that was going on. We are wounded in all kinds of ways. But this preacher who writes Hebrews has some concrete help for us in these two verses today. Listen to them again. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Our best biblical scholars remind us that this sounds a lot like the language of the prophet Isaiah. If we flip over there to the 35th chapter, Isaiah is writing about the people being delivered from bondage, from the Babylonian captivity. But our author today draws from that text. Listen to how Isaiah wrote about what God can do in our lives when we need help. He puts it like this, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Then these familiar words to us, now strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear, here is your God. Then he goes on to talk about how God is going to open a way when we can't see a way. He puts it like this, a highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools shall go astray. And then he ends the chapter by saying, everlasting joy shall be upon their heads they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away the author of hebrews is grasping that notion that even when we're struggling even when we're having trouble even when we're wounded or injured and carrying that by ourselves within our hearts and we can't see a way that God can make a way. The biblical message for us today is that you can lift your drooping hands and strengthen your knees because God is at work in your world, helping you have a brighter future. You need not think that you're alone when you are wounded or injured or frustrated because you're not recovering fast enough. The biblical authors remind us of this good news that God is with us and God is at work in our lives helping us heal. I tried to figure out how I would summarize this. I put it in three steps in your outline. I think this is what the author is saying. The first step is to believe. Believe that God wants you to heal and believe God is at work helping that healing occur. 
helping that healing occur even when you can't see it. The second step is then to do your part, do what you can in your portion of the healing. It might have to do with rest or diet or taking your medicine or going to see the doctor or doing your exercise or not doing some things you were so that your body can recover. We have a role to play in our own healing. And this author says you can do it. So many people of faith during the pandemic have said things like, I'm not going to take the vaccine because I'm counting on God to take care of me. Well, the suggestion then is that somehow science and faith are contrary to one another. That's not how I see it. If God created us and God gave us brains, and that means we can learn, then if we can learn from medical science what the best path toward health is or the best way to stop a pandemic and stop these hundreds of thousands of millions of people being sick or dying, then that would be the way to go. I think that would be God's will. When we were articulating our core values a few years ago, one of them was about this. It said we embrace a reasoned approach to faith and scripture. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, was a college professor. He believed in growing the mind. He believed that God has given us minds that can learn and grow and we can know better and then we can do better. Faith and science can go together throughout our lives. So that's the second part. Second step, do your part. The third is perhaps the hardest. Give yourself some time to heal. It takes different amounts of time for different kinds of things to heal. Depending on your injury, depending on your age, or depending on your overall health, all of those kinds of Things are factors in your healing, and yet all of us know that we need to take time to heal, but it's so easy to become impatient, to lose faith, or to lose the energy for the fight. Take the time you need to heal. I mentioned the book that I put in the outline again today, The Power of Full Engagement. The two authors in that book are talking about how we do our best, how we maximize our potential. But interestingly enough, even though they're talking about all the things we can do, paradoxically, they also add this, that you have to take time to step back and rest and recover. They point out that in physical exercise, if you just keep pushing exercise, 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 where you end up is not at the best, but you end up injured. That if you don't build in time for rest and recovery, then things break down. You have to build that in. I've been dealing with a left shoulder injury. I keep thinking it should be finished. I should be back to normal. My range of motion should be there without pain. I'm not quite there yet. This last 10% is taking longer than I thought. And it's a little more painful than I wished. I have to keep remembering, take time. It takes time. You have to give yourself time to recovery. But if we can give ourselves some time, 
trusting that God is at work in our lives, and I believe God is at work in my life and in your life and in the life of this church. I believe God wants good for us. I believe God sees great things for us in our future. But pacing is important. Staying on the path, as this author says, is important. Just like with COVID-19, trying to rush back to normal, we don't want to put anyone at undue risk. Pacing and timing of when we do what is so very important. End of July, if you were here, you heard me talk about this 42-day challenge. I suggested that if you wanted to be a spiritual champion or you wanted to grow in your spiritual life, choose one thing to focus on and then write down steps you could take to move toward that goal and then put down as the research makes clear when, where, and how you're going to do these steps and that's the most effective way to grow or to build capacity. Dozens of you signed up for that. Now, part of the key is writing it down, but another part, the 42 days isn't magic, but it's long enough to give us some time to change some habits or change some behaviors so that we can grow spiritually, so that we can reestablish some positive rituals in our lives, take some positive steps toward God. Let's be in spiritual training. Let's be inspired by these Olympic athletes who have trained their bodies to do amazing things things but if you really want to make steps of improvement write down what you're going to do when where and how you're going to do it the research makes it so clear that your chances of success and being effective in your growth skyrocket when you're willing to write it down the healing process is the same way the healing process takes time For Jim Thorpe, it was seven decades. Finally, the International Olympic Committee in 1982 called a press conference and said, we have made a mistake. Jim Thorpe should have never been stripped of those medals. They invited his family to come. He had long been deceased, but they reissued the gold medals he had won to his family. For Bill Havens... It came about three decades later when he got a cable from his son Frank, the baby that was born during the Paris Olympics, saying, Dad, I won the gold. It was 1952, and his son Frank had gone to the Olympics as a single canoe racer and won the gold. Carlos Lopez, 15 days after a car wreck, 37 years of age, and yet he runs and wins the marathon. I think he must have believed he could do it. I think he must have believed God was with him, and he did his part, and he stayed on the path and ran the race. Such a great illustration for us to remember in our own endeavors to heal or recover from injury. I'll be praying for you, especially for those of you signed up to be a part of the 42-day challenge, knowing you're working on a specific area of growth. It's not too late. If you want to be a part of that, just pull out one of those attendance cards, put 42 on it, drop it in the attendance box. We'll add you to the list. 
I'll be praying for you every day on into September. Then we'll celebrate some successes together. But whether you sign up for the 42-day challenge or not, we can all commit to spiritual growth. We can all commit to spiritual training, if you will. Recover from your injuries if that's what you need to do first, but continue to believe that God is leading us into the future and we can participate and walk with God into a brighter future because God is at work in our lives. Put yourself in a position to allow God to make you a spiritual champion. Amen. And thanks be to God.